This is Patrick Donahue. Good evening. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time. Bible Crossfire. If you have a Bible question or comment, just give us a call. We're here to talk about the Bible. Whatever issue you might want to talk about, we're willing to let the Bible decide what the correct answer to that issue is. If you'll just give us a call. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. A lady I'm currently studying with by phone wrote to me in an email this week. If Christ had already forgiven the sins of the world on the cross, what leftover sins would there have been for baptism to wash away? Let's answer that question. Suppose a Major League Baseball player on Monday buys 100 tickets for all the kids in an orphanage. Suppose then 95 of the orphans use those tickets and go to the game that Saturday. Do you see that all the tickets were paid for on Monday, but they were not taken advantage of until Saturday? It's the same way with Christ's death. He paid for the sins of every man, Hebrews 2, 9, on the cross in about 33 A.D., but we don't actually take advantage of that until our sins are washed away when we obey the gospel some 2,000 years later. If some say verses like John 3.16 prove salvation from sin occurs at the moment we believe. But if that were true, that would mean a person is saved before they even repent of their sins. But texts like Luke 13.3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish, prove that's false. Another passage that shows salvation at the point of faith is false is Romans 10, 9, and 10. Quote, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Everybody understands that passage makes confession of Christ necessary to salvation, but one can't honestly confess Christ as the Son of God unless he believes it first, right? That would mean that salvation does not come at the moment one believes since one has to confess Christ after believing in order to be saved. In that same context, verses 13 reads, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So calling on the name of the Lord is required for salvation. And the very next verse begins with, quote, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Showing that calling on the name of the Lord occurs after one believes. If calling on the name of the Lord is necessary to salvation and comes after faith, then logically one is not saved at the point one has faith, right? But just how does one call upon the name of the Lord? Acts 22.16 answers that question. It says, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So the way a sinner calls on God to save him is by being baptized. That makes sense. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So the way a sinner would ask or call upon God to save him is by believing and being baptized. Correct? Now think about how Acts 22.16 relates to our question of whether a sinner's sins are washed away when they believe. Saul of Tarsus believed when Jesus miraculously appeared to him on the road to Damascus. But here, he is at least three days later being told to do something to get his sins washed away. 
Of course it is the death of Christ that washes away our sins, but when? Were Saul's sins washed away by the blood of Christ when he believed on the road to Damascus? Or were Saul's sins washed away by the blood of Christ when he was baptized three days later? It is really easy to tell if you just accept what the Bible says here, isn't it? We can tell the same thing from Acts 2, 36-38. In verse 36, Peter accuses his Jewish audience of crucifying the Son of God. They believe the gospel and respond in verse 37, asking what they should do to make that right, to be forgiven. Peter replies, and I quote, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they weren't saved by the death of Christ when they believed, but when they repented and were baptized. Do you see that? And the requirement was that they be baptized for the remission of sins, that is, for that reason. Let's illustrate from Matthew 19.9 how the reason for something can be required. That verse says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. You see how one must divorce their spouse for the reason of fornication, or the divorce is unscriptural. God does not approve of it, and the subsequent remarriage is called adultery. Likewise, if one is baptized, even immersed as a believer, but he doesn't do it, quote, for the remission of sins, then the baptism is unscriptural, and God does not approve of it. If you can see that from Matthew 19, 9, why can't you see it from Acts 2:38? The reason is important. It's required for God to approve of the action. Anybody that thinks they are saved at the point of faith before being baptized is not baptized for the required reason. Quote, for the remission of sins. Therefore, God does not approve of their baptism, and therefore they don't receive the remission of sins. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. And so what we're saying here is that when the question comes up that some people want to ask, they want to ask something like, are we saved by Christ's death or by baptism? That's a false dichotomy. We're, of course, saved by the death of Christ, the blood of Christ. That's what pays for our sins. But we're saved by baptism. First Peter 3.21 says, Baptism doth also now save us. But that's not saying that baptism earns our salvation or that baptism is the thing that pays for our sins. That's simply saying that baptism is a necessary condition that one must meet in order to be saved from their sins by the death of Christ. So there's no competition here between the death of Christ and baptism. It's just like belief. Belief is a necessary condition of salvation. Everybody admits that unless you believe everybody's going to be saved. Jesus died for everybody, but John 3.16 and many other passages teach only those that believe will be saved. Well, does that mean our belief, something we do, saves us? Not in the sense that it earns our salvation or that it pays for our sins. No, the death of Christ does that. Belief is simply a condition that we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. Belief is necessary. Repentance is necessary. We mentioned Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We mentioned Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. 
Repentance is also necessary to salvation. So asking what saves us, the death of Christ, or baptism would be about like asking what saves us, the death of Christ, or our belief, or what saves us, the death of Christ, or our repentance. That's a false dichotomy. The thing that pays for our salvation, the thing that earns it, is the death, the blood of Christ. Belief and repentance are simply conditions that have to be met in order to be saved by the death of Christ. Baptism is exactly in the same category as belief and repentance. It's a condition. It doesn't save us in the sense that it earns our salvation or pays for our salvation. No, if Jesus hadn't died, it wouldn't matter how many times you got baptized. It wouldn't do a bit of good. Baptism is simply a necessary condition that we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. You know, Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. In Acts 26, verse 28, the Bible, Jesus said that he shed his blood for the remission of our sins. So without Jesus' death, without the shedding of his blood, we couldn't be saved. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, and Jesus' shed blood is the thing that does it. So it wouldn't matter how many times we were baptized. It wouldn't matter how many times we went to church. It wouldn't matter how many times we read the Bible from cover to cover. It wouldn't matter how many times we helped a little old lady cross the street. Without the death of Christ, we can't be saved. But Jesus died for everybody. Not everybody's going to be saved. Well, what's the difference? Why are some people who Jesus died for going to be saved and some people who Jesus died for not going to be saved? The difference is the ones who meet the conditions that Jesus sets forth as necessary for salvation... They're the ones that are going to be saved by the death of Christ. Jesus died for everybody. He earns and pays for the salvation of everybody. But only those who meet the conditions. And Jesus laid those conditions down very simply in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, you can argue about that till you're blue in the face. But wouldn't it be a whole lot easier just to say, instead of arguing about that, I'm just going to believe what Jesus says about it. I don't believe Jesus is a liar. I believe exactly what Jesus says, that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So instead of spending my time arguing about that, I'm going to spend my time studying the rest of the Bible, spending my time more wisely, instead of spending all kinds of time arguing with Jesus about Mark 16, 16. Instead, just submit to what he says. Don't try to compromise it. Don't look for ways to compromise God's word. Instead, spend your time trying to learn what it says and obeying what it says, submitting to God's word. You know John 8, 31 and 32. John 8, 31 says, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Indeed here, the newer translations say true. So you're a true disciple if you continue in Jesus' word. And if you do that, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Free from what? John 8, 34, free from sin. So you're not going to be made free from sin by false teaching. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So God's word, the Bible, defines for us what truth is. So instead of arguing with it, why not submit it? So we can spend more time learning what it says and learning how to better please him. Better to please him. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. You know, this idea that we don't have to do what God says, that all we have to do is believe. Of course, that manifests itself in saying that a person doesn't have to be baptized to be saved. We see that proven false by Acts 22:16, where Ananias told Saul to rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. 
So you've got to be baptized to get your sins washed away. Saul wasn't saved when he believed on the road to Damascus. He was saved three days later. His sins were forgiven three days later, washed away when he was baptized. It's the blood of Christ that washes them away. The question is when? Not when he believed. It was three days later when he was baptized. But this attitude that you don't really have to obey God also manifests itself in this doctrine of once saved, always saved. The doctrine of once saved, always saved is just another way of saying you don't have to obey God in order to be saved. It's such an unfortunate doctrine because not only is it false, but it leads many people to live a loose kind of life. You know, we have have a quote from a Baptist preacher named Vernon Barr. He was said this in a debate. He says, Baptists teach that a child of God can do anything he wants to and go to heaven anyhow. Well, if a preacher like Vernon Barr, who I'm pretty sure has passed away by now, if he says that, if the preacher keeps preaching that you can live any old way you want to if you're a child of God and go to heaven anyhow, most of your listeners are going to start living any old way they want to. It encourages loose living. So it's not only false, it's a very dangerous doctrine. But so many passages in the Bible, practically, there's a verse on practically every page in the Bible that proves once saved, always saved. False. Another way that uh, this is said, like the Baptist will say, if you're a Christian, you can't fall from grace. But we have a verse that actually uses that phrase. Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So is it possible to fall from grace? This verse says clearly that it is. Why do people want to argue with the Bible? It says these people had fallen from grace because they were trying to go back to that Old Testament law, the law of Moses, to be justified, to bind things like circumcision. And say people today have to be circumcised. Paul says if you do that, that's an Old Testament law. You're fallen from grace. Now, Ask yourself this question. Can you fall from a tree if you never were in a tree? You can't, can you? So you can't fall from grace unless you were in grace to start with. So here's a person that's in grace. He's saved. He falls from grace. That's clearly shown to be possible by Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. But here we have people who, I call it wishful thinking. They want this doctrine of once saved, always saved to be true. They wish it to be true. We've all heard of the expression wishful thinking. And so they say and teach that it is true, even though the Bible clearly refutes it over and over and over again. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. You know, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, Take heed, brethren, uh, And it's talking about verse 1. This is in verse 12, but it's talking about in verse 1. Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. So the brethren that are referred to in verse 12 are not... They're holy brethren. They're partakers of the heavenly calling. That can only be a Christian. Only a Christian is a holy brother, a sanctified brother. Only a Christian has partaken of the heavenly calling. But he says in verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That's strange because so many people who claim to be believers in Christ say that once you become a Christian, 
It's like you turn into a robot. You couldn't change your mind and become an unbeliever even if you wanted to. That it's impossible to fall from grace. It's impossible to depart from God. But this verse says, it's a warning to holy brethren, Christians. It's a warning against developing an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Now, the, the funny illustration I got from my friend here in Alabama, in North Alabama. He says, you don't see any road signs in North Alabama that say beware of sharks. And, that, and you laugh. That's, that's right. Because there are no, there's not an ocean around here. There's no sharks around here. Likewise, in Hebrews 3.12, why would God warn a Christian from, against developing an evil heart of unbelief and departing from God if that weren't possible? People say it's not possible. Then why would God warn Christians against it? Obviously, it is possible. It is possible for a believer to become an unbeliever and depart from the living God. It doesn't matter how many preachers say that it's not possible. They're, they, they're just, it's just wishful thinking. It's just wishful thinking when they say something like that. Ty from Spokane, Washington. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, Ty from Spokane, Washington. Let me tell you something. You are absolutely a false preacher. You are telling things that are absolutely untrue. Let me tell you something. You don't understand that in the second chapter of Acts, when Peter said to the people, men and brethren of Judea, uh, you, you people, you killed the Christ. And they said, what shall we do to be saved? And what did he say? He said, repent and be baptized and believe in the name of Christ. Well, you look 14 chapters later in, 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 in the 16th chapter of Acts when Paul was in prison and the prison guard was about to kill himself and he said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, you believe. You believe. Just like Christ told that man on the cross, you believe. And Hi, thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. You know, Acts chapter 16, verse 31 does say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. But is that telling us everything we have to do to be saved? If all we have to do in order to be saved from our sins is believe, that would mean that a person doesn't have to repent of his sins in order to become a Christian. That means a homosexual can just believe in Christ, not repent of his sins, and still be saved. If that's what Acts 16, verse 31 means, no, I think we all understand Acts 16, 31 is not necessarily telling us everything a person has to do to be saved. No, there's not a single verse in the Bible that tells you everything you need to know. And the caller that just mentioned, Acts 2, 38, here's some believers, and they're told in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So Acts 16, 31 says you've got to believe in order to be saved. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Now, are you just going to accept one passage and not the other? Accept Acts 16.31 and just reject Acts 2.38? Are you going to accept both of them? If both of them are from God, they're both true. And if they're both true, that means the only way both of them can be true is if you have to believe, repent, and be baptized in order to be saved from your sins. Evan from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Oh, well, yeah, I had a couple of statements that it was questioning about, you know, the statements that you made. You know, you were saying, you're stating one that a person has to be saved or baptized to be saved. 
Okay. You're saying yes, that, Mark 16, that, 16, that, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So, yeah, I, I, right. we're not going to compromise on something Jesus says. Exactly. Well, right. Other than, you know, maybe there's a little misinterpretation. But, uh, so you're telling me that the uh, thief that was hanging beside him, that he told him he would be in paradise with him, got down off that cross and got baptized? Evan, do and, you believe... Uh, Remember, I read earlier in the program, Romans 10, 9, and 10 teaches you have to believe in the resurrection of Christ to be saved. Do you agree with that, that you have to believe in the resurrection of Christ to be saved? Oh, of course, yes. Well, did the thief believe in the resurrection of Christ? Well, he didn't have to believe in it that's because it hadn't happened yet, right? Exactly. Believed, that's because... That Jesus, and that's exactly that that's exactly right. Messiah, I imagine. Not? That's exactly right. He didn't have to because yeah, that hadn't he? happened yet. And that's exactly right. And Hebrews nine sixteen through 17 says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So this New Testament law that we have in our Bibles is exactly like the will that somebody has. When that person dies, their will does not go into effect. Well, I should say they write the will while they're alive, but the will doesn't go into effect until after the death of the testator, after the person dies. Hebrews 9, 16 and 17 is saying the same thing about the New Testament law. It did not go into effect until after the death of Jesus. Luke twenty four forty seven shows that it actually went into effect after the death of, of, of Jesus, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And the thief had long since been forgiven. Long since died before Acts chapter 2. The thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized to be saved. For the same reason that Adam didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Adam and Eve. Moses didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Abraham didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Nobody under that Old Testament law had to be baptized to be saved. The Great Commission is what began requiring folks to be baptized to be saved. That's where Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That was long after the thief died. The thief lived under the Old Testament law and the Great Commission went into effect in Acts chapter 2. So that's why the thief on the cross could be saved without baptism the same way Moses could or Abraham could. They lived under the Old Testament law. They didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Baptism is a New Testament requirement. Larry from Iowa, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, I'm referring back to earlier in the program when uh, when you was talking about the uh, sin. And, and in Romans 1, 1 and 2, you know, uh, Paul said, uh, you know, it, it, it talks about shall we go on sinning? And uh, and uh, Paul goes on in chapter, in, or excuse me, in verse 2, by no means. We died to that sin. We died to sin, you know. How can we live it any longer? Well, the thing is, if if you belong to a a church that says, you know, if, if you live any old way, then you're okay. Well, well, what do they do with a verse like this? I, I, I don't understand, you know. Uh, we're, we're, we're to follow Christ. If we're going to follow Christ, we we have to put away the sin, you know. Yeah, we might yeah. do it. We might sin every so often, but we gotta we gotta get it out of our life, you know. Larry, would so, you agree with I'll me let that you this? Go. Larry, would you agree with me that this once saved, always saved is simply wishful thinking? 
It's wishful thinking. It's an easy yep. way out. I, yep. I just want everybody to know if they're listening, uh, look into it a little farther. Uh, you're really on on the wrong road, and you're going to go to the wrong place. I mean, straighten up, people. That's that's Larry, how it is. Thank, thank you, you so much for your call, Larry. <laughs> you bet. Bye. Bye. I mentioned when I began the program that the lady who asked that original question was somebody I'm studying with by the phone. Perhaps you would be interested in having a free one-hour phone Bible study with me. Of course, totally free of charge. takes one hour at a time, a one-hour phone Bible study, just whenever during the week it would be convenient for you. I want you to call me or text me on my cell number, 256-682-9753. If you want that free one-hour phone Bible study, Call or text my cell phone, 256-682-9753.